It's about you, your health, your family, and your community. This is Sunday Morning Magazine with your host, Rodney Lear. And good morning. Hope you're having a great weekend. Welcome to another edition of Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, more information about the show can be found on our Facebook page. Visit Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Head there now, like us there now, and join the conversation there as well. We begin this morning with Dr. Paul Crosby. Dr. Crosby is with the Williams House at the Lindner Center of Hope. It's our pleasure to welcome Dr. Crosby to Sunday Morning Magazine. Good morning. Now, first of all, before we talk about the Williams House, let's talk about the Lindner Center of Hope. Tell our listeners about the center, if you will. Well, sure. The uh, Francis and Craig Lindner Center of Hope is a private, freestanding, um, uh, nonprofit uh, mental health center of excellence located in suburban Mason, Ohio. It was founded uh, almost 10 years ago in 2008, uh, and it was opened with the idea of uh, being a one-stop shop for any mental health need, um, and its, uh, its priority is to provide state-of-the-art, uh, uh, scientifically uh, validated uh, mental health care to, to the community, uh, both locally, regionally, as well as nationally. Uh, in our 10 years, we've served over 30,000 uh, patients so far, uh, and we uh, uh, treat uh, everyone across the age range and uh, any mental health diagnosis uh, that, that you might have. And doctor, you're here this morning to talk about the Williams House at the Lindner Center of Hope. Tell us about your role at the Williams House, if you will. So I'm, I'm one of the attending physicians who uh, works on the Williams House, uh, uh, which is our adolescent residential uh, uh, diagnostic and treatment unit. Okay. Um, So tell us about this facility because it's unique and a premier facility in the nation. Explain to us why that's so. Yeah, it really is. So as mental health providers, the most valuable asset that we possess is our time. Uh, And uh, the center has made it a priority to uh, hire experts uh, in their field uh, and then set them up in a situation where they can spend the amount of time that they need to spend uh, to really get to the bottom of uh, what diagnosis is causing the mental health symptoms and uh, then also initiate the proper treatment for that. Um, so uh, what Williams House can offer that um, uh, many other places across the country may not be able to offer is is an intensity of uh, uh, time spent with the experts, uh, uh, as well as uh, an accurate diagnosis uh, while treatment is being initiated. Okay. And so this is a residential facility, right? That's right. So, And what does that mean? Yeah. So residential is a word that we use to uh, describe the level of care. Uh, and that means that uh, the patient will stay overnight uh, on the unit uh, uh, for you know, at least about a week or two, uh, sometimes uh, over a month. Uh, while they're uh, being diagnosed and receiving care. Uh, it's a step down from, say, an inpatient hospitalization, but it's a step up in a level of care from outpatient or uh, partial hospital. Okay, and what age group are we talking about? So Williams House serves ages 11 to 18. Okay, and so what are some of the issues that young people face in that age group, 11 to 18 years old, that you may not see or how is that different from what you see in adults and how you treat adults? Yeah, sure. So, you know, in general, uh, uh, children will um, – they'll, they'll act out uh, more likely than speak about what may be going on with them. Uh, so as we get older, we get better about 
talking about our issues, hopefully. Uh, but, you know, the younger you are, the more likely you are to kind of act things out and, and have them come out in different ways. And so mental health uh, issues can pop up in all kinds of ways. And what you're basically looking for is a, uh, a significant change in function or really kind of personality from what you're used to in your child. Uh, you know, you're looking for uh, your child not behaving like themselves. Uh, and this can show itself in, say, a marked decline in school performance, uh, an inability to cope with problems and daily activities, marked changes in sleeping or eating habits, difficulties concentrating that can get in the way at school or uh, if, if they have a job, for example, um, acting out in different ways. So, you know, getting themselves in trouble when before they didn't used to do the, those sorts of things. Depression, for example, shows up primarily as irritability and anger in kids. Uh, many kids will not describe having a sad mood, they'll, but, but they will seem angry and cranky and mad at the world. So that's important to know about depression. You can see severe mood swings. Um, you could start to see uh, your child uh, perhaps not caring about things that they used to care about. Um, but really, you know, the, the, the take-home point is that any change from uh, any kind of prolonged change from what their usual level of functioning uh, is uh, should uh, at least cause you to have a conversation with your child. Uh, and that's the other important thing to note is that it's, it's important to speak directly and, and have a direct conversation uh, with your child about what may be going on. It's okay to ask, uh, are you feeling sad or, you know, have you noticed these things yourself? Um, it's even okay to ask your child if they may be thinking about harming themselves or taking their own lives. You're not going to put that thought in their head by asking them that if it weren't there already. Okay. And so what are some of the diagnoses that you see at the Williams house or some of the more common diagnoses? What are we talking about when we, we see young people in the facility? Depression. Uh, we see bipolar disorder. Uh, we see emerging psychotic disorders such as schizophrenia. Uh, we see anxiety disorders, uh, including panic disorder, generalized anxiety disorder, OCD, uh, even PANS and PANDAS, which is this kind of subset of uh, anxiety disorders that involves an autoimmune reaction uh, that causes the symptoms. Uh, our center has emerged as uh, one of the, uh, one of the um, uh, elite centers to uh, receive care for, for PANDAS for uh, adolescent patients. Okay, so let's talk about this now. I understand that a lot of times when we talk about mental illness, puberty plays a big role in, in you know, the time that it's diagnosed. How, how true is that? I've heard that before. Is that a big time where you see a lot of, um, you know, things emerging, uh, coming to light in terms of some of the, the more um, serious illnesses like, you know, schizophrenia and things like that? How true is that? Yeah, it's true. So, you know, at a, after puberty is when, most of our major mental illnesses uh, tend to emerge. That's, that's when the peak emergence is for, for, for many of our men, mental illnesses. And uh, the main ones I'm speaking of include uh, major depressive disorder, bipolar disorder, uh, and even schizophrenia, um, which emerges in late adolescence in, in most cases. The tragedy of all that is, is that we, we know that that's when these diseases emerge, but many times uh, there's a delay of several years, even a decade, before the first diagnosis is made. Uh, so uh, you've got now adults who have uh, gone through years of suffering uh, with a disease uh, that in most cases is very treatable. Okay. Let's talk about the role heredity plays. I know when we talk about a lot of these um um, illnesses, I know heredity plays a huge role. Is that right? It sure does. Yeah. Many, if not most of our uh, mental health diagnoses have at least some hereditary component. Mm -hmm. 
it varies uh, and it's, it's, it's complicated. It's not a, you know, it's not as simple as say eye color or, or something like that, but, uh, but, but hereditary heredity definitely plays a role. Catching this early is very key. Is that right? Catching it early is, is crucial. Mental illnesses also carry a great uh, societal burden in terms of, you know, people who uh, would otherwise be able to uh, go to work, um, uh, spend time with their families, um, uh, contribute to society in ways that they want to, but mental health takes that away from them for years, be- often before they're diagnosed and treated. Okay. Let's talk about the stigma because, you know, we know that there's a stigma to related to mental illness, but then you add on the fact that, you know, you're a teen, you're going through puberty, and you have all the life challenges that other teenagers face, then you add on this diagnosis. The stigma has to be then magnified, I'm sure. Yeah, there there still is quite a stigma about mental illness in general in this country, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I think that it's improving. I think I've seen improvement even over the last 10 years since the center has opened. You know, a, a big reason why uh, Mr. and Mrs. Lindner decided to put their name on the building was to reduce stigma. Uh, they wanted to have their name out there in a public way associated with the mental health facility because they, they thought it was important to send that message. Um, for teenagers, this could make uh, getting treatment and staying in treatment very difficult. Um, many uh, uh, teenagers don't want to uh, accept or admit that, you know, maybe they could use some help. Uh, and, you know, and sometimes that means they don't uh, continue to take their medications if that's what they need. And it uh, can also mean that they uh, decided to stop going to therapy if that's what they need uh, to be doing. And, and so it can make it very difficult. And uh, parents often have to set uh, pretty clear limits around that uh, once a mental illness is identified, uh, much in the way that they would uh, set a limit around uh, other safety-related things such as driving. Okay. Now let's talk about um, who, for in most cases, who is the first person to notice these symptoms? You went over the symptoms earlier, but let's talk about, is it usually, is it teachers? Is it parents? Who recognizes these symptoms in children and then has the foresight to, you know, maybe make a, um, a referral onto um, the Williams house? Yeah, that's a really good point. Um, you know, it could be any of those people, uh, uh, teachers, coaches, parents, uh, even friends. Uh, a lot of the most successful uh, suicide prevention programs that have been launched uh, in schools in recent years have involved uh, networks of peers who have been trained to watch for signs of depression uh, and to alert uh, adults uh, you know, in, this, in the school uh, about one of their peers' potential for perhaps having you know, depression or something that might lead them to consider suicide. Um, so having that open relationship, having uh, – you know, being aware of your child's social contacts um, is all very important uh, for being able to catch these things. Okay. And so speaking of stigmas and, you know, you don't want to put people in a box or anything like that, but I know you mentioned, you just mentioned this, you know, sometimes when we see some of the things that happens in some of these schools, you know, with some of the violence, you know, a a lot of people will think, you know, mental illness plays a part. Mm Mm-hmm. Again, not trying to put a stigma, but how, you know, where does that line fall? What we actually know about uh, violence uh, in general uh, is that uh, patients with diagnosable mental illnesses are actually a lot less likely than the general population to act violently towards others. Uh, And uh, on top of that, folks with mental illnesses are more likely to be to, to be victims of violence uh, than they are to be perpetrators. Uh, so that's what we know. That, that's what the data says about it. You know, that, that's not to say that 
uh, you know, there, there definitely isn't a mental health component to to some of uh, these school shootings. But um, it is to say that uh, it shouldn't uh, necessarily be assumed that some sort of mental illness uh, is is was the main cause for them. And in case you're just tuning in this morning, we're speaking to Dr. Paul Crosby. He's with the Williams House at the Linder Center of Hope. Now, Dr. Crosby, tell us what treatment looks like for these young people in the Williams House. Yeah, sure. So uh, at Williams House, uh, a a child would be immersed in a therapeutic setting. So uh, there will be other uh, children on the unit who are uh, also struggling with uh, mental illness. Uh, There are groups. uh, There's group programming that takes place most of the day. Um, uh, many of these groups are based on uh, scientifically validated uh, therapeutic uh, approaches, uh, such as, for example, dialectical behavioral therapy. Um, and uh, they're all meant to help uh, give uh, the patient uh, and, and help them practice a set of skills that will allow them to manage difficult emotions uh, moving forward for the rest of their lives. Uh, it's also meant to help them understand uh, what their illness is, uh, how to manage it, uh, and how to be responsible for it, and how to really uh, come back to feeling and acting like themselves again. Okay. Tell us about your staff at the Williams House. Sure. So uh, we have a number of uh, experts, often doctoral level therapists uh, and psychiatrists, uh, who uh, spend uh, several visits a week uh, with each patient. Uh, you know, again, I'll, I'll stress that uh, it's the time we spend with patients in mental health that really makes a difference both in terms of diagnosis and treatment. Uh, we don't, you know, unlike other medical specialties, we do not have uh, imaging tests or uh, diagnostic tests that we can necessarily run on people to, to figure things out. Uh, so really the best that we have is our time. And uh, we've, we've spent uh, a lot of effort to uh, make sure that we have uh, really an expert staff uh, who have become masters of their craft, uh, who uh, really believe in doing this work, uh, and who uh, spend that time with each patient uh, in order to get the diagnosis right and then, uh, then to move on and apply the right treatment. Okay. And so earlier we talked about how coaches, teachers, parents or some of the people that, you know, first recognize some of these symptoms in these young people. What do you do if you are a parent, teacher, or a friend, which is most important? You know, sometimes, you know, that it's easier for young people to talk to a peer. If you notice these behaviors in a young person, what recourse or what should you do? Yeah. So, you know, assuming that there isn't an immediate danger, the most important thing to do is to make sure that uh, the child's uh, guardian or parent is uh, aware of what's going on and aware of your concerns. Uh, if you have the type of relationship with the uh, individual that that you feel you can approach them and have a conversation with them about it, that would be a great thing to do too. One of the most important things to do is to direct these issues or to address these issues head on with uh, with, with the teenager, uh, to not talk around them and, uh, you know, to not... Um, kind of talk down to them about it, but to, you know, level with them about it and and ask them about what's going on. So doctor, as a parent, I know this has to be heart wrenching for a lot of parents to go through, to have their child be diagnosed with some of these, you know, depression, schizophrenia, and some of the other things that we talked about this morning. What support systems are in place for families at the Williams house? Well, that's a really good point. This is a very distressing time for parents uh, and uh, we uh, try to do what we can to 
help with that. Uh, we have a family therapist on staff who works with each family that comes through Williams House. And part of the diagnostic assessment that uh, will be done uh, includes a family assessment. Um, on top of that, families are able to visit uh, as often as they like, and um, the more a family can be involved in helping with the diagnostic process, uh, the better the outcome usually is. Uh, so we really do everything we can to try to ease uh, the family's distress and um, help see them through this whole process so that uh, they can understand how to handle things uh, coming out the other end of it. So, doctor, I want to go back. I want to talk about depression because I know depression affects a lot of young people in this age group, 11 to 18. What should we know? What should the general public, what do you want us to know about depression? First of all, sadness is a normal emotion. I Mm -hmm. I probably should start by saying that. Um, And, you know, the teenage years are are full of intense emotions that uh, come and go on a day-to-day basis uh, under normal circumstances. So Mm -hmm. that is totally normal for for, you know, your teenager to express uh, intense sadness about something that is sad, something that upset them in their lives. Depression is something different entirely. Uh, depression really is a, it's a mood uh, disorder. Uh, it, um, it comes in episodes, which means that it's, that there are periods of time of distinct uh, decline in functioning compared to what is normal for your child. Um, and uh, these periods of time have to last uh, for days, often a couple weeks or so, uh, in order to really qualify uh, for this diagnosis. Often a person who's depressed can't really explain why they're depressed. Often they're, they're not able to tie it to any kind of clear environmental stressor. Uh, and you'll see symptoms uh, in addition to possibly sadness. You'll see that patients don't enjoy things that they usually would enjoy. Uh, You'll see that they're cranky and irritable. Uh, I mentioned before that that's the main symptom that uh, adolescents uh, present with, it's irritability. Uh, You'll see a decrease in energy, difficulty sleeping, uh, either sleeping too much or sleeping not enough. It could go either way. Uh, You could also see an increase or decrease in appetite. Uh, You'll see a withdrawal from activities in many cases. You'll see a lack of motivation, a lack of interest, uh, and a desire to be alone. Uh, and and, and not interact with family and friends in the way that uh, maybe they used to do. Uh, And and again, you'll see this go on for days and sometimes weeks at a time. Okay, good. Um, Let's talk about suicide. What should we know about suicide to help young people? I know this is is very important. You know, suicide is the second leading cause of death uh, for children in this country. Uh, So it's a serious problem, something that we in the mental health field are on the front lines of trying to address. Uh, the most important thing for anyone to know out there who may be considering suicide is that there is help and things will get better, uh, that it's important to reach out to the people close to you to, uh, to talk about what you're feeling. For folks who have loved ones who may be considering suicide, the most important thing to do is to uh, talk to them directly about it. It's very important not to be afraid of mentioning your concern that's, that someone may be thinking about taking their own life. Uh, and many people are kind of naturally afraid to say something like that. They're afraid that it's going to give people ideas that they might not mm-hmm. otherwise have. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's just not known to be true. The next most important thing to do is to get them help. If somebody uh, is unable to see a, a, way, uh, a way out of uh, thinking about suicide, it's important to get them to a hospital uh, where they can be kept safe and where uh, treatment can be initiated. All right. And with that, we're out of time this morning, Doctor. If our listeners would like to find out more about the Williams House at the Linder Center of Hope, how can they find out more? Uh, area code 513-536-HOPE. Okay. And that number again? 513 
HOPE. All right. And if you missed that, you, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook, and you'll find that number there and all the other information on all of our guests this morning. Thank you so much, Dr. Crosby, for taking time to talk to us this morning. Thank you, Rodney. My pleasure. We've been speaking to Dr. Paul Crosby with the Williams House at the Lindner Center of Hope. For more information on the Williams House, you can go to williamslindner.org. That's williamslindner.org. We'll be back with more Sunday Morning Magazine right after this. Stay with us. More to come.